the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Jesse Gastan. He's the host of Way of Grace, a pastor and a community leader. He's a teacher and an inspiration. He's Lifeline's own Jesse Gastan. Can you hear me out there in Radio Land? Can you hear me? I hope you can. And, um,. Hopefully, we'll be able to talk for a couple of hours here. I am cleaning my eyes. You know, when you reach reach a certain age, you actually have to make sure that you have another set of eyes. Now, in radio, you don't have to be seen, but you do have to be heard. However, the one behind the microphone has to be able to see the black letters on the white print. So that's what I'm doing as I... Prepare to engage you for two hours, something like one hour and 54 minutes to be exact on this August 12th, 2019 school right around the corner. I don't know if that's good or bad school right around the corner. We could talk at length about that. Let me see. How do I want to do this? All right. First, I'll give you the number one triple eight one eight eight eight. Three six seven five three two nine. Get ready. Put it in your pistol cocket back so you can be ready to call, and uh, we can have a conversation. If you should be stimulated by something you already have been contemplating, struggling with, um, working through in terms of um, this crazy world that we're in, or maybe it's something that I've said that you need to have clarified. I don't mind clarifying anything that I've said over the. Well, recent decade, if you will, um, or you just want to proffer a new idea uh, for us to banter around rhetorically and see if it'll land somewhere on the safe um, foundation of logic, reason, rationale and truth propositionally. We can do that. This Monday edition is uh, brought to you by the wonderful station that I happen to be a part of uh, by identification for now over 13 years. It's been a long time. 1100 AM KFAX. It is the radio station for Christian uh, teaching, Christian uh, conversation, Christian dialogue, Christian events, Christian topics, Christian music. And uh, uh, it has served the Bay Area well. And I'm glad to be a part of it to the extent that I am coming to you on Mondays. Now, what what can I say? Um, This audience to whom I speak for the most part is quite informed about all the latest trends of our culture and, um, in our world. We've, we've, we warned you many, many years ago about goals. 2000. I have not. We, I, I've warned you for many, many years about the way our global agenda works, operates out of a, a scriptural and prophetic paradigm. I've warned you about, the trajectory of our world ultimately trying to take on a utopian global one world government ideological um, 
fascist control of every human being on planet Earth per capita, uh, something that would be outrageous and unbelievable 100 years ago. But with technology today and us fast moving into a hyper, hyper control over every individual by virtue of uh, satellite, by virtue of uh, all of the social media outlets, by virtue of intelligence, NSA, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We can't get away. There's no such thing in a lot of ways of being off the grid anymore. Those of you who have uh, operated off the grid would know what I'm talking about. We pretty much can't do that today. And Big Brother is here to stay in a lot of ways. And therefore, what we have all the time going on are revolutions, uh, if you will, rumblings and uh, conflicts and and wars and and, and uh, debates. And you and I live in exactly what our master plainly said in John sixteen thirty three: a world filled with tribulation, a world filled with it. Full of tribulation, you can find a spot, pick a spot anywhere on planet Earth in which to, if you will, sow the seed of your cause and be involved uh, at, at some level. You don't have to sit at home. You don't have to act like there's nothing to do. There's always something to do in our world. It's fallen and it is falling. Where am I going to start? I think I'll start with a narrow lens right now and deal with um, the topic of one man who being a multi, multi, multi-millionaire, hundreds of millions of dollars, and therefore having the power to influence massive amounts of people, way up in the echelons of government, way up in the echelons of economic power, way up in the echelons of business, he was able to influence them with the Massive outpouring of his own debauchery and wickedness, something everyone knew. The media always has known this. It has conveniently looked the other way, as it always will. I've told you this for years. Our secular media is like the three monkeys. See no evil, hear no evil, what, uh, do no evil. Uh, but only whenever it becomes something of a fire, a conflict, a real uh, problematic mess, when it becomes legitimate news, then they jump on it as if they never heard it before. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the death of Jeffrey Epstein. You know him, that that mogul, multi-millionaire, uh, profligate sinner, profligate sinner, who who lived lavishly off the wealth of his own uh, resources and uh, and engaged in what everyone knew. I'm talking about government officials. I'm talking about uh, politicians. I'm talking about even folks up to the presidency. They all knew. I'm talking about moguls. I'm talking about wealthy people. They all knew. They all knew that this man was running a a horde of uh, child uh, molestation, child sex rings, uh, even including having islands upon which he would have them shipped in or either he would manipulate them in his own uh, narcissistic, egocentric, uh, devilish way and then, then begin to corrupt them. And this has been going on for decades. Well, Justice began to catch up with him. We don't really know what the deals were behind the closed doors. What we do know, and this is the fundamental principle of Scripture, that sin never, ever stops before destruction is the fruit thereof. Like the old colloquialism goes, sin will take you further than you ever 
even imagined you wanted to go. It will keep you there way longer than you ever thought you would stay there. And it would cost you way more than you ever were willing to pay. That's the nature of sin. Takes you where you don't want to go, keeps you there longer than you want to, and makes you pay the ultimate price. What does the Bible say? The wages of sin is what? It's death. But now, here's the question that you and I have to ask, because it really wasn't on my radar screen. I didn't care about this guy. He's one in a gazillion, multi-million air moguls, male and female, by the way. We're going to be getting into that here shortly, the male-female principle dynamic. All right. He is simply one of many who has used his resources and his powers to uh, to gratify the flesh and create a context in which the gratification of the flex flesh would be experienced by everyone that has the propensities and propinquities and bent to that kind of debauchery. And, and I'll tell you. Once he ended up being kind of wrapped up in the justice system, finally, because, you know, uh, you know, lawyers have tried to go after him. People have tried to sue him. Uh, Plaintiffs have sought many, many times over the many, many years to to get him in court and then to to prosecute him for his debauchery, his crimes. And they never could do it. Why? Because he's a millionaire. Not just a millionaire, because a millionaire here in California is nothing. He's a multi, multi-millionaire. So for many years, and he's an Epstein, all right? Think that through. And for many, many years, he was able to get away with his crimes. But there is a God in heaven. That's just the way that goes. This is God in heaven. And so he ends up incarcerated and facing very serious time. Now, I want to ask the question. I'm going to give you a Bible verse upon asking the question. Yeah, you know, would a person like him having hundreds of millions of dollars and and, and and running with all of the movers and shakers and having the ability to 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 have the best lawyers in the world and engage in uh plea bargains that uh none of us common folk on the ground could ever imagine doing, why would he why would Jeffrey Epstein, sitting behind bars in a federal prison of all places, the federal prison being some of the most uh, comfortable, uh, the most plush, most carefully designed prison systems for white-collar crimes you can imagine. Uh, why would he be compelled and driven to expire, to take his life, to kill himself? Why would a person who ultimately has the ability to either endure the time by having his lawyers really whittle down the corrupt judges, whittle down our corrupt system, whittle down our corrupt uh, policies and, 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 and methods of bargaining for the wealthy. And he may have had to do what? Two or three or four or five or heck, 10 years. I mean, what's 10 years in a federal prison for all of the absolute abuse he's engaged in, the torture and and, and, and almost psychologically murderous uh, acts that he has uh, poised upon and imposed upon young women? And if not young boys, I'm sure there was a group of them along those lines, too, because, again, debauchery doesn't stop, you know, square smack dab. At one gender, it crosses the lines. This is where you and I in our world today, we can we can trace 
the present desire to leap over the boundaries of male and female, that binary gender specific mutation that got limited to male and female as a complementarian construct by which the whole world operates. This is God who uh, creates all things. We want to exceed those boundaries because lust is never fulfilled within the framework of boundaries unless you're a man or a woman of virtue. But when you're given to fornication, when you're given to uh, debauchery, when you're given to adultery, when you're given to mass orgic types of uh, sexual liaisons with, with, with all of your sadistic components uh, applied to it as well, um, y- your satisfaction is never, ever going to be bound to the normative process of, of heterosexuality. Heterosexuality today, for most people, um, with the exception of, of, uh, of honest, hardworking, boundary-loving folks who would fall within a framework of moral and ethical principles such as Christians and God fearing men and women outside of that heterosexuality is passe and this is exactly what the bible warned against way back in the days of genesis and exodus and leviticus the notion of us being progressive is nothing but a faux pas we are not progressive we are regressive we are regressing back before the days of Alexander the Great, before the days of Artaxerxes and Xerxes, before the days of the Babylonian kings, way, 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 way back before the Tower of Babel, we are creating a neo-Tower of Babel culture in which uh, massive, massive chaos is dominating the whole framework of our society today. You and I are in a state of utter chaos. That's where we are. So here is the question. Why would Jeffrey Epstein, with all the money that he has, resources and and good old boys in in, in high places, why would he kill himself? Why would he kill himself? Of course, there are those out there who are posturing that he he took his life or was demanded to take his life, if you will, because... If he were to talk, if the criminal investigation were to develop itself, flesh itself out, there would be so many people that we would know who would be taken down, implicated in all of the mess that Jeffrey Epstein actually uh, produced, created, if you will, uh, manufactured for the fulfillment of the flesh of all of our uh, good upstanding politicians and leaders. There would be so many names flying out on the front pages of of our our news organizations that you and I would just we wouldn't even be able to stand. We wouldn't be able to stand still if we really knew all the people engaged in all of the frolicking and and child molestation and child sex trafficking and all of that that's going on in our country. But, you know, the Bible's very clear. Be sure your sins will search you out. That's kind of where we are. I'm going to quote a verse substantiating what happened, I believe. Solomon talked about this. Now, you guys know Solomon knew something about frolicking. He knew something about mass sexual orgies. He knew something about the fulfillment of the lust of the flesh. He confessed that in what we call the Confessions of a King. That's the book I'm about to read from, the Confessions of a King. Pastors, where is that in your Bible? It's the book of Ecclesiastes. 
It's the confession of a king. It's a king confessing the reality that everything that's done apart from the grace of God, no matter how powerful you are, no matter how wealthy you are, no no matter how prominent you are, no matter what accessibilities you have at your disposal, there is nothing, nothing in this world that ultimately satisfies. Solomon says it's ethereal, vaporous, and without substance. Vanity of vanity, all is vanity. Now, here's what he said. And I think the verse that I'm about to share with you actually speaks to the demise of a wealthy mogul who had no other option but to end his life. Solomon says, so I returned and I considered all the oppressions, all the oppressions, you know what oppression is, is the stuff politicians are talking about on the left and on the right, particularly on the left, particularly on that deep, deep far left that's trying to re- deconstruct and reconstruct everything that has been normal for us since the beginning of time. The far left that's trying to deconstruct and reconstruct even language, even terminology, even phraseology, trying to deconstruct and reconstruct all of that in the name of oppression. They probably won't get rid of the word oppression because they need that to continue to fuel their argument. But we'll get there a little later in the program as we will look at the language that's coming in the legislation for schools here in California. And we are in a dangerous place along those lines. Well, listen to this. Solomon said, so I returned and considered all the oppressions that are done under the sun and behold the tears of such as were oppressed. Here's the wealthiest man in the world, biggest king in the world, Hancho, taking a moment, pausing to look down upon the poor, oppressed people of the world. And he saw their tears. See, that was a moment of virtue for Solomon. He didn't have many, but that was a moment of virtue for him. He says, I saw the tears of such as were oppressed. And here's what he says. And I noticed that they didn't have a comforter. What an insight. To be able to see a person who's broken, who's hurt, who's oppressed, who's depressed, who's molested, who's maligned, who's used, who's abused, and they're crying, but they don't have a comforter. And then he says, and here's the real stickler, and I saw on the other side of those who were their oppressors that they had power, but they also had no comforter. So what good is power without a comforter? What good is seeking to fulfill the lust of your flesh with all of the powers at your availability when you don't have the comfort of the Holy Ghost? The comfort and peace of redemption and salvation of your soul. The peace of conscience through the forgiveness of sins that comes by the shed blood of Jesus Christ when a man or woman bows the knee to King Jesus and is reconciled unto God by the blood of the lamb, having his heart sprinkled from an evil conscience and his body washed in pure water and him brought into communion and fellowship with God. What good is it to have all the money in the world and lose your soul? That is the text that speaks to Mr. Epstein. That's what he had to really come to inside that little cell. All the money in the world couldn't keep him from perishing. That's the lesson you and I have to learn. I'm going to take a break. I'm going to pay a bunch of bills. Three lines open. one 367 one A whole lot more. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. 
And now back to Lifeline. We're back at the time, 529 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. The number is one 367 I have three lines open. I'm going to shift gears now. You can talk about that when you call if you want to. Or the, the Jeffrey Epstein uh, debacle, demise, the sorrow of another soul that perishes without seeing the light of redemption and salvation. And particularly at the level of... Uh, of harm and hurt that he did, um, there will be movies, there will be books, there will be means by which our godless capitalist system, not that capitalism is godless, but our godless capitalist system will take advantage of Mr. Epstein's uh, checkered past. Here's what God says in Isaiah chapter 30, more to the next point that I want to deal with. And you parents, keep your ears Keep your ears to the radio. Please do. You you who are raising children in this particular crazy generation into which we have been, as it were, providentially born and raised, keep your ear to the to the radio because you're going to want to have to affirm within yourself what kind of battlegrounds you're going to establish your calling as a parent with your children or grandchildren or those with whom you care uh, is going to be. What kind of influence are you going to have on them in this crazy, presently crazy country, and more particularly state called California that we live in? We think about all of the uh, just the silliness and the foolishness of uh, of self authentication and self identifying and self re identifying and self uh, shaping and changing and modifying the foolishness of it all. You wonder where it comes from. Well, the Bible says that God, after having warned nations, warned people, warned citizenries, warned societies, he does it by the church when the church is obedient to the gospel and, and preaches the whole counsel of God, doesn't play hopscotch with scripture and doctrine. It doesn't bounce here and bounce there and oh, conveniently over uh, overpass other passages of scripture that deal with us and confront us concerning our sin and rebellion. Here's what God says he does. He says in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 28, he says, and by his breath as an overflowing stream, we've already been dealing with the work of the spirit of God and the term breath refers to God's wrathful nostrils, metaphorically speaking, breathing out winds of judgment upon society because of its rebellion and his breath as an overflowing stream shall reach to the mist of the neck. Now watch this. To sift the nations, to sift the nations with a sieve of vanity. And there shall be a bridle in the jaws of the people causing them to err. Isaiah 30, verse 28. The breath out of the nostrils of the sovereign God blowing, as it were, a metaphorical wind Shifting, shifting the people groups by a sifting process, sifting like wheat in a sifter, as Christ said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Satan has requested to sift you as wheat. God sifts nations. Now, the sieve that he's using today in America and in Europe and other parts of the world is the sieve of vanity, vanity, that vaporous, empty non-substantive filter by which men continue 
to lose any kind of constitution and any kind of poise, any kind of integrity, any kind of unity. We are losing our minds and we are doing it as a consequence of God's active judgment on our society for having rebelled against his law, rebelled against his word, rebelled against his gospel, rebelled against the spirit of the living God. Because you see, God gives us time. He gives us time. And over time, we, we stick our fist in God's face and we say, I will do what I want to do. And then all of a sudden, God is quiet. You know what's happening? He's giving us over to vanity. And now, not only are we in the sieve, we're being sifted in the sieve of vanity. Like all of our policies and all of our practices and, and all of our agendas and all of our solutions and all of the, 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 the arguments and the debates and the protests and the war, all of it is a vanity of vanities. And in the sifting process, you got all these people in different groups trying to self-identify because they are being sifted. They're not they're not operating on solid principles of origin, design and purpose. They're operating on the vaporous notion of the here and the now. This is what we call secularism. Secularism doesn't take into consideration its ultimate origin nor does it take into consideration its ultimate future. It lives for the moment and it lives for self, disconnected from everyone else. Hence, our topic today comes from Dr. Albert Moeller, who has just been just been spot on and dealing with some of the uh, legislation and policies uh, that are coming down the pike, particularly in the area of uh, of uh, legislation around language and terminology with the LGBTQ community. As you guys know, it's an article that's rendered worse than you can imagine. Worse than you can imagine. Now I'm going to read this. It's going to take some time. I'm going to read a little bit, take a break, and then come back. But but you do need to know it. In fact, you can go to his, his website. It's called The Briefing by Albert Moeller. And you can read up on a number of expertise analysis on the part of Dr. Moeller addressing, analyzing, deconstructing, exposing the diabolical agenda that's going on in our nation or our world, particularly in California. He calls it worse than you can imagine. Let me read a little excerpt for you, and then I'm going to take a break. Don't you go anywhere because parents, if you think it's bad in schools now, just wait until this stuff passes. Worse than you can imagine. I quote, California introduces new ethnic studies, new ethnic studies. The model curriculum for high schools is new ethnic studies. As millions of American students get ready to go back into the classrooms, as both students and teachers are preparing for a new school year, it's important for us to understand why education is not only so important, but why it is so controversial. It's because if you control the curriculum, if you control the educational system, if you control the schools, you eventually control the direction of the culture. Amen. That just reminds us of what is at stake. First, we're going to turn to the state of California, where that state is now considering an ethnic studies curriculum for the public schools, particularly for the high schools in that state. It's one of those stories that catches you by surprise, but upon reflection, probably shouldn't. California is one of the most liberal areas in the United States. It is, of course, the nation's most populous state. 
What's important for us to understand is that what happens in California schools don't stay there. California for decades has had an outsized influence on such things as curriculum and textbooks because if a textbook is adopted in California, it's going to produce a great deal of revenue. It's likely also to be adopted elsewhere. Similarly, curricular changes that take place in California are very often copied, at least in other progressive school districts. The story in California has to do with the fact that the government there, the state government, has mandated a new ethnic studies curriculum for the high school in the state. And now the authorities have released a modern curriculum, and it's a model, all right? It's a model of what happens when people want to take the public school and turn them even more into engines of social and moral transformation. The Wall Street Journal recently drew attention to this curriculum in an article by Williamson M. Evers. The headline, California wants to teach your kids that capitalism is racist. It does, by the way, but that turns out to be only one of the problems represented in this model curriculum. Evers writes, California's educational department has issued an ethnic studies model curriculum and is soliciting public comments on it until August 15th. The legislatively mandated guide, he writes, is a resource for teachers who want to instruct their students in the field of ethnic studies and was written by an advisory board of teachers, academics and bureaucrats. His next line is, it's as bad as you imagine. Well, actually, I'm going to argue it's probably worse than you can imagine. Now, you do want to hear this, you guys, but I got to take a break, pay some more bills. When I come back, I'll read the rest of this just absolutely startling, but not so surprising article. And then I'll take your phone calls. one 367 5329 one You're listening to the Monday edition of Lifeline with yours truly, Jesse Gistin. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we're back the time 547 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. I'm reading an article blowing the trumpet, if you will, an echo of uh, one uh, Albert Martin, who happens to be uh, an editor and writer on the briefing. Um, Albert Moeller, I'm sorry, Albert Moeller. And he happens to be president of the Southern Baptist uh, Convention. He really addresses a lot of our political and spiritual issues in a very sharp and insightful way, he's reading an article from the Wall Street Journal by one William M. Evers, and I continue. Mr. Evers says ethnic studies is described in the document for California as the interdisciplinary study of race, ethnicity, and indigeneity with an emphasis upon experiences of people of color in the United States. Now, you know what we mean by indigeneity, right? We're talking about folks who, who are indigenous to America. What, we, what are we talking about? Native Americans. But Evers goes on to say that that's not all it is. It is the study of intersectional and ancestral roots, col, col, uh, coloniality, hegemony, and a dignified world where many worlds fit for present and future generations. Did y'all hear that? Let me say it again, because this is where I warned us several years ago about goals 2000, about common core, about the global agenda of a kind of hybrid and syncretism of everything. But Evers goes on to say, I quote, this is not all that it is. That is to say a study of, of race or ethnicity, indigeneity. It is, as he says, a study of intersectional, you guys know where that comes from, right? The social justice paradigm. 
and ancestral roots. What are we talking about here? Paganism. Coloniality. What are we talking about here? Juxtaposing paganism from the indigenous people over against the coloniality or colonialism that was plopped down on them by the uh, quote unquote white man. This is what they're getting ready to teach in the public schools on a more explicit and textbook level. Hegemony. What are we talking about? The power brokering of of capitalism over the masses of the people and a dignified world where many worlds fit for present and future generations. The document from the state board goes on to say that ethnic studies is also the ex disciplinary loving and critical proxies of holistic humanity. What in the world does that mean? I know what it means. Do you? The ex-disciplinary, loving, and critical proxies of holistic humanity. What it is is an agenda for absolute social transformation in the United States. Everest goes on to say, the document is filled with fashionable academic jargon like positionalities, hybridities, impantless, and misogynoirs. These are all kind of like uh, put together terms that really you know, don't go together, but they're using them as new forms of language. I'm talking now. It includes faddish social science lingual like listen to this cis heteropatriarchy, cis heteropatriarchy. I've been preaching against this for a while. I'll unpack that here in a little bit. If you're in a faithful gospel church, cis heteropatriarchy is coming to take your Bible away. Take your authority away. Take your government as a as an ecclesiastical an ecclesiastical structure or standing or or expression in the culture. Cis heteropatriarchy is an evil thing. They say that may make sense to radical university professors and activists, but doesn't mean as much to the regular folks. He writes who send their children to California public schools. He concludes. It is difficult to comprehend the depth and breadth of the ideological bias and misrepresentations without reading the whole curriculum, something few will want to do. Ain't nothing new about that, Mr. Moeller. Our government develops policies and legislations, makes them pass in the middle of the night, and the next thing you know, the schools are are running with it. He goes on to say, well, I didn't want to do it. But I did it. And what I found is what I said, an absolute agenda for transforming the United States of America into a very different country, a very different culture. It's actually virtually impossible to read even the opening sentences allowed for reasons I'm going to explain, says Moeller. I'm going to do my best. The text says, as early as the 1970s, some California public high schools began offering ethnic studies positing that courses in the field would provide an opportunity to engage the history is actually a misspelling of the word so that it says not history, but her story. Y'all got that? This kind of hyper feminine, uh, anti male, uh, language, uh, if you will, uh, signaling her story, cultures, contributions, perspectives, experiences of groups that have been overlooked historically, uh, marginalized and often subjected to invisibility with the mainstream courses. Now I read it says Moeller, but it's not exactly readable. And it's because the word that you have have to pronounce something like history is actually spelled in this text, H-X-R-S-T-O-R-Y. And that word, which is supposed to mean interdisciplinary, which shows ex-disciplinary, 
It's explained by a footnote on the page of one of the model curriculums. Throughout this model curriculum, language is used that deliberately offers an alternative to traditional wording that could have a particular context within the dominant culture. It goes on to say more information about these terms can be found in the glossary. In other words, they are creating a new vocabulary as well. We'll turn to the glossary. We'll turn to the glossary indeed in a moment. But first, I want to turn to a page, uh, turn to page two of the curriculum where the ethnic studies field. Remember, we're talking about the public schools, the high schools in California. The document states the field critically grapples with the various power structures and forms of oppression, including but not limited to white supremacy, race and racism. Sexism, classism, homophobia, Islamophobia, transphobia, and xenophobia that continues to impact the social, emotional, cultural, economic, and politically experienced uh, experiences of Native peoples and people of color. So there you go. You got a whole curriculum that's about to bring in all of the chaos. In all of the conflict, in all of the arguments, in all of the debates of all of these intersectional groups. I should stop, but Moeller has so much more to say and so very important. He goes on to say, you'll note that right here on page two, it basically says that the agenda is the transformation of the culture. The background is a claim that the culture primarily represents forms of oppression. It goes on again to use the word X in front of disciplinary, saying the ethnic studies is that in that it very variously takes the forms of being interdisciplinary, multidisciplinary, transdisciplinary, undisciplinary and intradisciplinary. Okay. That's the kind of language of someone who wants who just wants to use big words in order to indicate that what they mean is that is this about whatever the dominant educational authorities in those schools want it to mean. It means turning all the disciplines upside down and inside out, turning everything that we've ever used as a basis of learning what's important, what is logical, what is coherent, what is proper, what is necessary as a legitimate science in order for us to be productive citizens. That was my comment. One of the things you come to understand in this is that what you are looking at is the rewriting of history, the redefining of reality. As such, it can grow its original language to serve these needs with purposeful respelling of terms. That's purposeful respelling. That would be in any previous generation known as wrong spelling including history as herstory and woman as womexin. They don't even want to tie the word woman to a man at all. I'm not going to pronounce that the way that they want it to be pronounced. I'm just going to spell it. Connecting with the gender and sexuality lens along with a socioeconomic class lens at three of its intersections. Terms utilized about this document, which may be unfamiliar to new practitioners of the field, are again, It states defined in the glossary. Let's just interject here a footnote. If you have to provide a massive glossary just to define the terms you are using for a model curriculum for high school students, then you have a big problem. But of course, the worldview behind this assumes that even the English language itself is just thoroughly corrupted by patriarchy. Y'all got that? The worldview behind this whole curriculum assumes that even the English language itself is just thoroughly corrupted by patriarchy and oppression and colonialism and has to be transformed. 
But as we've seen, even in the last few days within the transformation of these terms, they now don't even mean what perhaps any more than one individual means them to mean. In other words, we're living in a postmodern world in which people can come up with their own truth and demand that that truth be respected in almost any circumstance, now even including the spelling. The state board there in California is coming up with its new spelling requirements in a glossary. Why would students not be able to do the very same thing? I love the logic, Mr. Moeller. Did y'all hear that? If the legislature can come up with new terms and new definition and new words, why can't the students? Hence, you and I are losing clarity. We are losing logical We are losing logical skills in communication. We are losing the fundamentals of coherency. We're losing the ability to have a logical discussion and conversation based upon long-standing words that are just as good and as valid as can be because what's going to be poured into the communication base is a whole new set of terms. And by the way, those set of terms running within the acronym of LGBTQXXXXXXX will be reinforced by law if you don't acquiesce to them. Do you guys see that? So much more that can be said, but you know what? I'm going to take another break, and then when I come back, I'm going to actually go into the phone calls. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that you have to be very careful to open your ears. What will happen is that uh, most of us will just be going on about our merry way, You'll look at the news from time to time and you'll see hmm, some kind of crazy stuff is going on. But what you won't realize is that all of this was planted into the young fertile minds of our elementary school kids, our middle school kids and our high school kids. And by the time they get into college, they're already radicalized when they come out. You don't even know them, mama. You don't even know them, daddy, because they have been so radicalized by a whole new set of ideas, concepts, and words. And here's the biggest problem that you face, and I've been preaching on this, and you'll hear it on the radio shortly. The the trajectory of our present world system in opposition to the clear and precedent of language that you and I use and have been using for millennium now. The the, the English language, well, let's just say five, six hundred years and its morphing processes since England and Europe, okay? Uh, In in the Americas, three or four hundred years, right? Uh, The language that we use to, to, to get along with each other, the language that we use from the translation of the original languages of Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, by which we read our Bibles, by which God speaks and communicates to us, by which God makes us know what the truth is. That whole language construct is about to be endangered, and you know what that means? It means your Bibles are about to be assaulted directly as to not be a sufficient revelation by which you can know God in a saving and redemptive way, you or your children. There is a diabolical enemy who cannot be seen that's operating behind the scenes on all of this, whether you know it or not. It will express itself in works. For as Jesus is known by his works and as true believers are known by their works and as God is known by the judgments which he executes in the earth, so the devil is known by his works. And I'm here to tell you, the works of the devil are always chaos. They are always darkness. They are always deception. They are always damnation. They're always deconstruction. They're always devastation. They are always divisional in their nature and ultimately damning. That's where we're headed. 
And you have to be careful to know how to arm yourself likewise, because your kids are going to be they're going to be fully armed in school this year with this kind of rhetoric. And they're going to oppose every notion that you bring forth in, in the so-called cis heteropatriarchal paradigm of a biblical worldview. Try to say that 10 times. <laughs> All right. I'm going to take a break. Three lines open, one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Three lines open, one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Don't act like you don't know. Don't act like you don't care. If you got grandkids, you better care. You better care. God told you to care. And be ready to tell the truth as it is in Jesus. Maybe the Holy Ghost will deliver them from the snare of the devil who has taken them captive at their own wills. You're listening to the Monday edition of Lifeline. We will be back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 